Good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight. Well, I'm on tonight. Corn sugar and caffeine. I feel my body in two different places. Dave Hilda Pryor is on as well. Sometimes it feels I was born with two faces. I feel the smoke coming. Mr. Sarcasm, Ricky Hyatt's on. And last but not least, former Overtime Centre Hall, it's Paul Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And that voice that you can hear in the background, as always, it's Mr. Edge. Oh, no, it's Mr. Rick Hyatt, who's gone first. How you doing, Rick? Uh, I'm very well. Now, I've, I've released my inner Mike Yarwood. Another one for the kids there. <laughs> I actually think Nothing the standard nice. of our uh, impersonations of uh, A.D. Hopper is actually actually better than A.D. Hopper's impersonation of himself. Well, I, I heard that crap last week as well. <laughs> It's nothing like kicking off the pod with another reference that Tom and I don't understand. <laughs> uh, but Tom Bailey, as I say, is here joining us. How are you doing, Tom? Good evening. I'm very good, thank you. Glad to hear it. And Mr. Thorpe is also here tonight. How are you doing, Thorpey? Yeah, absolute pleasure as always. And uh, really enjoyed the intro, Ricky. Well done. Thanks, mate. And can the real Mr. Helper please stand up, please stand up, please stand up? He is here. How are you doing, Aid? No, I'm not standing up, though. I'm sat down, actually, and uh, I thought that was pathetic. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to wait for the Wednesday pod for that to go on rotation again, listener. But yeah. um, what won't be on rotation is how we start the pod. So uh, we will, of course, talk all things Yeovil Town because they got off to a, well, it was a winning weekend for them going into the next round relatively comfortably. A 2-0 win against Didcot Town. Both uh, Thorpey and Tom Bailey were there. So, Thorpey, I'm going to start with you because you were doing comms with myself. Um, in terms of the performance itself, I think it was a pretty comfortable win in the end, to be honest. I think we were both impressed with what Didcot had to offer, really, considering that they are... Uh, they came into the game a league below Yeovil, struggling in their division at the moment. Um, of course, they've only just been promoted uh, into the league that they find themselves in now. But they were just a little bit short up front, weren't they, Thorpey? And that was pretty much the difference, the firepower that Yeovil had in their armoury. Yeah, I, 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 first and foremost, I thought Yeovil did, a, uh, they did enough to win the game. Uh, no more. Uh, they... they... Um, did a very professional performance and um, once at 2-0, I think they just took their foot off the gas a little bit. But yeah, second half, I was impressed with Decott. I thought they showed a little bit more about themselves and um, yeah, with a little bit more firepower up front, I think that they could have caused a few teams a few problems and I think that's where they ought to uh, concentrate their looking in the lower leagues to bring somebody through. You know, who possibly can get them a few um, few goals, but yeah, I, I, they, they were nice, neat, tidy, and I thought that second half, I, I, I thought the um, uh, the fitness levels would change. It didn't. They looked really good right to the end, and um, yeah, I, I think that the, the manager. I think I said at the end of the comms that I thought the manager could find some positives from that performance, and um, but absolutely pleased that Yeovil Town have gone through and uh, now picked a home tie against. The mighty South End. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come onto that um, shortly because there might possibly be some doubt about whether or not that game does go ahead because of the South End 
um, situation that they find themselves in. In fact, as you have brought it up, um, Tom Bailey, have you got a little bit of insight into what the South End situation at the moment and just sort of explain to the listeners why that might not be going ahead um, because of the situation that South End find themselves in <laughs> off the pitch? Where's Adam Davis when you need him? <laughs> um, He's in Italy. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, a, is, that's yeah. a good excuse. Um, so South End find themselves in what can only be described as a bit of financial difficulty. <laughs> um, they they owe a lot to the tax man um, through no fault of their own. It is solely down to their scumbag of an owner, Ron Martin. Um, and... They are currently due, well, we're recording this on Monday the 2nd. Uh, they're due in court this Wednesday, uh, the 4th, I think. I think it's this Wednesday. Um, they're due in court before our tie, basically. Um, and unless a sale is completed, Southend United will be wound up, um, which is obviously a tragic story. Um, nobody wants that to happen at all. And if you do, then you're not a football fan. Um, so that does cast doubt um, on the FA Cup tie because if we've got no Southend United to play then there's there's no game to be had um, which of course hands Yeovil a bye um, in a competitive sense some perhaps twisted people may be hoping for a bye um, of course I would much rather we make it legitimately um, and of course for the, the well-being of Southend United fans across the country and uh, indeed the globe if, if they're out there but um yeah, it's a horror situation that they find themselves in, especially considering the difficulties that Yeovil have been through. Um, so we can only hope that something is sorted quickly. Apparently, there is a buyer interested. Um, he's Australian. This is all I know at the moment. But how close a deal is, um, is yet to be seen. But fingers crossed, someone comes in and uh, comes to the rescue. Am I just jumping in? Am I right in saying though that he is a builder and he almost wants the club to fail because he wants the land to yeah. build on? Exactly. It's very much yeah. a, a similar situation to what we've been through with um, he who shall not be named. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, we've come out of it slightly better off, but Southend, uh, unfortunately, and Scunthorpe are another team that are going through a very similar situation with ownership issues. Um, it's unbelievable that this stuff's allowed to go on. I mean, hell, even York, uh, before they were taken over by uh, by Mr. Rugler, they were very much facing some similar situations themselves. So um, it's unbelievable it's allowed to carry on. But um, fingers crossed, like uh, like we said, something is sorted. Yeah, it actually says here, today's court granted the club 42 days to settle their debt with the HMRC. Those supporting the winding up petition, but there's also a uh, negotiations with a consortium led by Australian National, um, comprised of a group of local businessmen as well. But oh, uh, I think that he's such a character and a character that shouldn't really be in football um, that he would probably want the money for the land as as a going concern to his building rights. So we probably add a few million on top of that so he doesn't lose out because he's. Um, uh, I could use a really very very strong word, and I'm, I'm not going to. But um, yeah, he's a he's a he's an ugly character. Hang yeah, on I mean, hang on a minute. Very well said. He's a lovely Aid? character. Ron Martin. The South... Yeah. All right. Not the South Australia South... bloke. No, 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 no. Sorry, I, I, people think that. No, no, no. The uh, owner of Southend. Yes, that's who I'm talking about. Who uh, shouldn't really be in football. And um, I'd like the I'd like the actual tests going through for actually buying clubs to actually be stronger, so that we don't have this situation turning up. You know, so um, because ultimately football clubs are very community based, and um, and they help so many people within the community um, that this type of thing I just don't think uh, should happen. You know, it's a working we've gone through it before. It's a working man's game, and it should stay that way. And even though we've got riches at the top level. You know, I think that the this actually promotes non-league football as we see it, and I think that they do an amazing job. Tom, do you know how long this saga has been going on? Because I would have thought, I mean, I'm not an expert on these things by any matter of uh, a fact, but uh, generally I wouldn't have thought that they would close the club down sort of almost literally 
at the day of the court case, so I would have thought they would have given him another seven days, ten days, whatever, which might enable them to be able to play the game. I think the problem with with him being given extra time, though, is that he's had a, a bunch of time to do this already. He's, um, I think, from the last hearing they had, the judge said, if this wasn't a football club, I would wind you up right now. So the fact that this is a, a football club is pretty mm. much the sole reason they're still going. Um, I've just gone onto his, his Wikipedia. He's been there since 2000, been the chairman of South End. So the fact that he's been there so long as well, and this happened, and he's seen the successes, and what happens if you do support the club is tragic, to be honest. Well, they've been I, I in mean, the championship in that time, haven't they, Tom? Yeah, Pretty yeah, sure. yeah, they have. They've been, they've been as high as we've been. Um, and whether it's just been a slow deconstruction or whether I, from what I can see just skimming through it looks like he's wanted to build a stadium elsewhere and then use that land and so I suppose he's not had his way and gone well that's it I'm taking the club with me and I'm I'm having my land which is tragic mm. considering he's been there for well 23 years now it's um it looks like the, the worst of it's been going on worst of it up to, up to this point it's sort of been since about 2019 um, but even during 20, well, 2009-10 season, they had two winding up orders from HMRC. So it's been going on a while, um, but the most recent hit is, yeah, sort of 2019-ish. So they've been going for a while. Yeah, it's a, it's a rubbish situation they find themselves in. And, you know, we, we've seen it before with, with Bury. We'll see it again, unfortunately. And there's a situation at Scunthorpe is looking pretty bleak as well. But I just want to link it back to the to the Yeovil point that um, Rick, the fact that they have got Southend in the next round, hopefully that all being well, they do get to play Southend in the next round, which is what everybody wants to see. But from a football footballing perspective, if it does go ahead, then it'll be a, a decent test for Yeovil really, considering we've been saying about the fact that the squad that we think that Mark Cooper and Martin Hellier put together is a National League competitive squad. Yeah, and likes to be put all that theory to the to the test won't it we've been saying you know that that this is a squad that had they had it last season in the national league could have could have been competitive so we will we will see whether that is uh whether that is actually the case and let's hope that it does get played because uh there by the grace of god go i as it were that could quite easily have been yeovil looking at a similar situation if things hadn't turned out differently in the summer so um yeah fingers crossed that it does Fingers crossed for two things. One, that it goes ahead, and two, that we batter them. Those oh, things. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's, on, there's only actually a very small gap between them and actually us, if you take our position in the league at the moment mm. and their position. So it's, it's, it should be a fairly uh, even. And I, I'd like to think that, um, you know, that we can actually uh, make a little bit of an upset there. I will caveat that by saying that they do have a 10-point deduction currently in place, so they should probably be higher up than they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is true. another unfair punishment. But, um, yeah, they, they've they got talent, but they've got a very, very thin squad. Very thin squad. So I suppose it remains to be seen that even if they are taken over, so if they can get enough players in to get some fitness back in the legs. Um, so I think I would favour us still. You'd think then in that situation that if they've got a points penalty that they'll be fo focusing their efforts on the on the league anyway to try and get away from the relegation spot. So the Cup, FA Cup's not going to be a priority for them unless they look at it as a way of making making some money. I don't know. It's all very confusing and above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, final point then um, on the Yeovil section, Aid, is that obviously you've been in involved um, around um, Yeovil when they've had obviously decent cup runs um, in the past and I say hopefully they do get to play the game, make a good fist of it, get into the first round of the cup and then you never know, you might start the journey to uh, eventually getting a, a nice big boy come to town. Yeah, but I can't really see Man United coming down three times. I can't, I'd be much too... Still a long too... way to go to that point <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, yeah no, it's funny you talk about South End. I remember the... I went to see Man United play South End a few years ago now. I remember I got, I got done for going for a red light on the way home. So uh, it's got uh, expensive ramifications, that was. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I would have thought Yeovil would be, be OK. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how um, 
uh, Rhys Murphy plays against his old club as well. Yeah, Jake uh, Hyde as well. There's yeah, a few elements yeah, to so that, that one. That's an interesting sort of little um, by story. But uh, I would I would agree with Tom. I think we've got enough to to be able to see them off. And you know, even the players themselves are they going to really bust a gut knowing that they could in the next week or so suddenly be you know on the dole. Um, difficult to say. I've never been in. You ever been in that situation, Thorpe, where the club's about to go bust? Unfortunately, at Trowbridge Town, that, that um, uh, yeah, you got to the stage where they were sort of asking you to take fifty percent cut in wages. But uh, and unfortunately, we lost Trowbridge Town, um, and they are now rebuilding at lower level and and, and doing an amazing job there. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the only club that I've sort of been in. Uh, and and uh, how did it affect you though, as a player, when you were, when you knew it was sort of getting close to the end? Well, I had such a really good. Um, connection with them I actually helped build up their youth development side um you know at a lower level where I started the Hornets club for them and which went on for four years before it was disbanded and we actually gave them checks of uh whilst I was there gave them checks of upwards of 1300 quid each year um and paid all the coaches as well so I think it was very successful but it's uh it was sad to see it, it, it uh, fall by the wayside, um, and, but it was a, a you know a, a really amazing um, non-league club at that level, at Southern League level, and uh, but it, it did it affect me. Yeah, it affected. It still affects me now. Actually, I, I've offered my services up there and to help out, maybe take a team up there when I get my knees sorted out and try and raise some money for them. I think that is something a club that that should be back. You know, at a lot higher level, and hopefully we can um, we can help them along the way in getting getting there. Okay, so we're going to have to talk Premier League, aren't we? Um, we have to. I, <laughs> I think there's probably only one place to start after what happened Nothing over happened the weekend. <laughs> no, not at all. It was just a nice, easy. <laughs> Easy weekend, particularly for the officials. Um, most of the games, as we touched on on Wednesday, did take part on Saturday. So I guess how I will start this is the fact that the tea time kickoff between Tottenham and Liverpool. Thorpey and I, after a hard afternoon's solid work on the mic, decided to take in a alcoholic refreshment after the game. A very well-deserved one, might I add, Paul Thorpe. Yeah, lubrication of the throat. Absolutely. It's like singers, like singers, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the um, the game happened to be on in the background, so uh, Mr. Thorpe and Mr. Thorpe and I were there when we then saw the images of uh, Mr. Jones and the uh, the still image of the high tackle and the red card that took place. And we also were there when Diaz we thought had given Liverpool the lead. Um, and I think we both said at the time, Thorpey, at the second image, that's onside. That's well definitely onside. onside. It was, it then, was so easy. Yeah. And then we wondered what the heck happened when there was yeah. no no image to sort of, with, with the image that we were expecting to see with the lines subsequently afterwards. So um, Paul thought we now know that PGMOL have come out and said that it was an error. And a lot's happened since then. Liverpool have decided to kind of take it further and you can kind of say what you want about that at the end of the day it's not really going to change anything it's just a case of are we going to get to a point where someone's able to set a precedent to say this is now what should happen when these mistakes happen but at the end of the day Thorpe it's not going to change the result we all know what happened in yeah. the end but in terms of the referee and performance in the game give me your thoughts well First and foremost, I, I, I really do like Darren England as, as a referee. Uh, I just think that he had, uh, I, I don't know whether he, he's ill or whatever, or, or, or but he had the biggest nightmare that, that I've seen for a long, long time, if not yeah, ever. Well, that's well, the apparently thing. so. I, I've, yeah. I've got a, a Liverpoolian friend who's, who's basically sent me uh, an article which is basically uh, the the. UAE League is owned by the same people who own Manchester City. Um, they paid them uh, to go over there and officiate and also do the VAR over there. 
Uh, that was on the Thursday. They then come back on the Friday. So the jet lag's got to be there. They shouldn't be anywhere near a football club for you know for, for until they're refreshed. Let them then go into a Saturday afternoon doing VAR and then creating. Let's forget about uh, it's Liverpool and Tottenham. It's just a football game, you know. And it could have been it could have been Manchester United. It could have been QPR or whoever. It it it. it it really is damning the game of football. And what it's actually doing now is actually costing people points, which is affecting league positions, which means that they are also, uh, that could cost them, because even one point is, is worth millions of pounds. But also, when we go back to, to betting, you know, there was one guy that, that, that lost well over a thousand pounds. You know, because of that, because of that, so it's now affecting other people's betting side of it as well, which really can't happen. I mean, I'm not, look, listen, I'm not a lover of betting, never have been. I have a little dabble now and again, and, and I don't condone betting at any stage. I think it's, it's better off keeping your money in your pocket, right? But it's there and it's being affected by VAR decisions. Now, I think that guy should be absolutely given his money because he, you know, it's, it, but. But it's just, it's got to the point now, it's, you know, Gary Neville said, this is this is really bad, very, very bad. And um, I think it's about as low as, I hope, it's about as low as it can get. I think Rick, one point you've you, got... Oh, go on, Aid. I was going to say, one, one thing, I was discussing this with, with Mark Cooper on, on um, I think it was the last press conference. And, you know, we were saying that, that unfortunately, referees can control so much. Now, whether we're talking referee or VAR, it's the same to me. They're all referees at the end of the day. And, mm -hmm. you know, they make decisions that can cost people their jobs. That yeah. can cost, you know, and if you lose your job, you could lose your house because you're not getting the salary in. And therefore, I, I believe all these people, they need to have proper training because they're clearly not. I mean, in, in this case, if Thorpe is right and this bloke's got jet lag or whatever, I mean, it, it, it's a joke, isn't it? It's an absolute joke. And like I say, people, you know, I bet if that was me and I'd done a, an accumulator, which I did, and if it had gone wrong because of that result, I would be absolutely fuming. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be listening to um, Talk, Talk Sport and uh, a couple of others and really very well-known footballers have just said it's gone too far now. It really has gone that bad, you know. And they, they all, every single one of them, have gone to the rugby side of it and said even their language is different. You know, it's a base of like, it's very clear and precise, where ours is not. It's just said talking and discussing it, where they have actually got a limited, you know, amount of like, right, what are you looking at? We're looking at not allowing the try for an infringement. Right, I'll look at the infringement. Right, so the infringement... Infringement didn't happen. You can award the try, bang. You know, and it's very, very clear and precise. And um, I think they're they they almost are saying that we should be going down the rugby way and say, look, it's a model. They've got a model. It's working for them. So why don't we jump into that model? Well, it's it's certainly something. Yeah, it's certainly something that that needs looking at because in the space of a weekend, already what ha what's happened now is it's already put doubt in all the other offside decisions that have happened yeah. this season, where they put the lines across and we've just taken it as gospel that it's actually correct. Who's to say yeah. that they weren't correct? We only need to look at the Man United one against Arsenal, for instance, to say that, you know, who's to say that was that was a, a complete error of judgment as well. And Rick, I want, I want to come to you because I don't know if you saw Match of the Day, but Alan Shearer was of the mindset that, Apparently, the um, uh, Darren England, the VAR, actually said check complete by mistake and actually said the wrong phrase. I mean, even things like that, it just it's just such an error of judgment, isn't it? Well, there was a vote, wasn't there, before the season as to whether or not the Premier League adopted the semi-automatic system that they used during the World Cup that seemed to work OK. But whether it was the clubs or PGM OL, decided that they would go... It's in the Champions League as well, isn't it? And UEFA competitions? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's in those competitions, but we decided to go with the one that gives us the opportunity to have a bit of uh, human error. And uh, most clubs have suffered one way or another from VAR, 
but um, being wrong decisions. But the thing is, this time, this time, the Premier League are bitten off more than they can chew because they picked on the wrong club now. The T-shirts are being <laughs> Too printed. Too bloody right they have. Yeah, mm. yes, the T-shirts are being printed. There's going to be black armbands on Saturday. There'll be a minute. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't do this. Not, not to the media's favourite club. They can't suffer the same way that everybody else in the Premier League has during the course of the season. Oh, no. That's amazing, isn't it? Liverpool appealing just about every, every single thing. They got on the end of a bad decision, which was a horrendous decision. They, in fact, they were two bad decisions because... Um, the sending off as well. You know Jota's first offence oh, wasn't, wasn't a yellow card. In fact, the, the lad he um, fouled should have been given a yellow card himself because he sat on the ground waving an imaginary one, which apparently these days is a yellow card offence in yeah. itself. So Liverpool had two decisions go against them on Saturday. Uh, United have had eight this season go against them. They, it's not right. Two wrongs don't make a right. But, um, but Rick, yeah. do, you, do you think, though, I mean, you said you've had eight against you. and then, but If you go right throughout the whole of the Premier League, you know, where there's so much money involved. You know, I said I wanted VAR to come in because I said there's too much money in football and the decisions need to be right. Yeah. Now, we are making more mistakes now than when it was before. And it's costing your club. And it's, and it's, and it's costing our club. You know, and I think that um, collectively, I'd like to see them all get together and say, right, what are we going to do about it? Because this doesn't need, we can't wait to the end of the season. This needs immediate attention now because it's costing, it's costing your club, isn't it? And you, you're trying to get into Europe. You're trying to like get, get back to it's where you cost, want to be. More importantly, Torpy, whether it's, it's whatever club it is, it's costing the whole Premier League credibility. Yeah, absolutely. What they've done is that they've introduced a system that they weren't ready to introduce. They've got yeah. this semi-automatic thing. Adopt that. Yeah. They, they, and they, then they use. Then you can just use, even if you just bring it in bit by bit and use the bit that we're a hundred percent certain on. Yeah. Which is this? Which is your line decisions and whatever goal line technology. These offsides, if they are as foolproof as possible with that, and just use it for that. Where they're tripping themselves up is making judgments on things that are a matter of opinion and freeze-framing things. I mean, Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? You can't... You, there's absolutely no way on earth that Curtis Jones will get his... Or there shouldn't be that Curtis Jones will get his red car reversed. Because our season it, against Fulham was exactly... Was I, it totally, not, I, to, I totally agree. I totally agree. Exactly the lad was going for the ball. He's bought his... In, in yeah. normal time, he's run over the top of the ball. You know, his, his yeah. sons have actually hit there, come up, and when you freeze frame, it looks really bad. As did Casemiro last season. Absolutely. And also, yeah. when the referee, in, with this particular Liverpool one, when he was sent across to look at the screen, the screen was on a freeze frame of the contact with his leg. Yeah. So the first thing the referee sees is, is, that. is him hitting shin, halfway up his shin in, in, in a freeze of, frame. Yeah, I'm going to defend the referee on this one because actually... He was given bad information. He was thrown under the bus by, by the he, VAR system. He, he probably was, but Curtis Jones was out a little bit out of control. And when they say you're out of control, you know, that means that you can injure another player. So that's why they started giving the red cards. You know, and, and, I, and listen, the other thing I don't like about it as well at the moment is the fact that every single foul seems to be a yellow card. I mean, when, yeah. when did that come in? I mean, all, all you're doing is lining the FA's pockets again. And that's... And well, let, let, stop, let's try... Go on. Stop Rick. showing the damn things in slow motion because yeah. it oh, yeah. doesn't yeah. happen in slow motion. Yeah. So it, everything agree. looks worse. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I think... I, I'm with Thorpey in the sense that originally I was for VAR because you hope that it would... You would be dealing with matters of fact. But the thing is, it's been so cack-handedly administered right from the start but it's actually making the situation worse and more confusing. It's not the system, it's the people using the system and yeah. the way that yeah, that's definitely. the problem. Yeah, um, And we've, we've had the debate before, haven't we, about, OK, if, do, we, do we scrap it now and do without it? But then the, the moment you do that, there will then be a decision that happens where you go, oh, if we had VAR, we've been able to rule out that human error. Absolutely. And you just sort of go, go round in circles again. But, but Thorpe, steady steady i want to bring tom bailey in he's been waiting absolutely. very patiently absolutely um 
Tom, you've had an opportunity for the dust to settle from the game itself. Obviously, being a Liverpool supporter, you've listened to the to the arguments of the boys there, and I'm pretty sure you probably along the same mindset. I guess the difference being here, similar to what happened in the opening day with the Wolves' decision at Man United, is the fact that because they've made a statement to say that we got it wrong and it should have been given, the club are then forced to kind of then make a statement or something because then they will let, look silly if after that statement comes out, they do nothing. Yeah. It's, the fact it came out so quickly, they must have realised during the game, they're like, oh, we've seriously messed up now. It came, well, I don't know how long it was, but it couldn't have been long after the game finished. Um it's, I think the request I've I've seen, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the there's reports I've seen that Liverpool want to replay the game. And if that's true, then that's yeah, ridiculous. I, it's, no I, yeah, not a chance. No, I, don't, um, I don't agree with that either. No, no, no absolutely not. Because um, otherwise uh, the, you're going to get replays every week because, yeah, well, this didn't go in our favour. And it's, if it's unfair, then even like Sheffield United, when um, that's, oh no, it was Aston, yeah, the Aston Villa goal from uh, the COVID season where the goal line technology. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So does that mean that has to be replayed now retrospectively? Because if Villa didn't have that goal um, allowed, no, sorry, disallowed then they would have been relegated because without that goal, they wouldn't have won that game, which then relegated Bournemouth, which then means, well, you go down a whole other rabbit hole. But well, the whole, Another classic one with that was the whole Sheffield United relegation yeah. many moons ago. Yeah. They, were, yeah. they were relegated on the back of a, an incorrect decision. So where do you draw the line? Exactly. Um, it's I, I like that they're appealing and that they're looking to do something about it, whether that means we just simply have better training for the officials whether it means they've changed system because again the, the good thing about goal line technology is that it's binary it's yes or no the technology can go yes this is over the line or no it's not and you can do the same with offsides which is what the semi-automated thing does why they've not chosen to use this system and instead leave it to a bunch of gimps in a in a box is beyond me because You're sounding it's... more and more like Rick every pod. It's human error. You take the human error out of it and you will get correct decisions. And then it's simply down to if you're a moron or not to disagree with the binary <laughs> yes or no. Because you can't disagree with goal line technology if you've got this yes or no. So the, so the, fi the final point I want to want to make, Tom, on that is what because obviously we could do a whole pod on this and I realise that there's some other really good stuff that happened because Manchester City lost and we have to talk about that as well. <laughs> but um, how we all want transparency. But in this instance, when they've come out and said they've made a mistake and got it wrong, I don't know. It's one of those where afterwards you think, don't has bother. that statement helped? I no. don't know. You, you don't... obviously want to get to the truth as to what happened because everyone will be asking questions. But it was obviously going to blow up like this as soon as they released the statement. Is the timing of the statement something they still need to look at? Like, what what do we all think about how they went about the statement, the timing, and what was actually in it? Well, they may as well just release a template every week after every game because the amount they <laughs> replace had so club far, and player here. It's literally yeah, <laughs> replace X with Y and replace X with Z, and that's all you need to do. Because the amount of mistakes they're making is is shambolic. It, you. There's almost no point in putting them out now because saying sorry this many times is not going to make anyone feel better. It's not going to fix anything. And again, eventually, sorry doesn't mean anything after enough times of saying it. Just do something like about it. Like a bad it. relationship, isn't it, Tom? You can say sorry. She ain't going to take you back. Right? Exactly. You can say sorry over and over and over again. She ain't letting you back in the house. If they come out and, <laughs> and say they're going to make some actual change, be it training the referees better, hiring referees from elsewhere that may not have a bias, perhaps. I'm not saying there is bias, but there's potential for it. Um, anything like that. If they're just going to do something about it, then that's better than just saying, oh, yeah, sorry, we got it wrong. But it's OK, because we'll do it. We'll, we'll get it better next time. It's not happened. We've had this for years and years and years and years and years. The upside with it being um, the referees are rubbish everywhere is that teams like Yeovil don't have technology to sit there and go, you've got all the stuff. Why is it not working? Whereas the higher ups are still getting it wrong with all the assistance. So what do yeah. you do? It's clearly not the technology's fault. It's 
the people's fault. Yeah. They need to do something about retraining or hiring new ones, or you just take the referee out of it entirely and you go full caveman style. But I don't think that's necessarily going to well, be. Well, limit. Need to... oh, go on, Rick. Go on, Rick. Go just, on, just like like I said before, just limit what it is used for for situations that they can be ninety nine point nine percent certain that they've got the right outcome the, at the end VAR of it. was introduced to correct clear and obvious errors yeah they are almost they are actively finding looking. ways to change yes. decisions every, like oh we've got the system every goal that's scored they are looking for something wrong so that yeah. they can disallow it and that is not what it was brought was there for i i'd even go further and just say let the referee referee the game like he does normally and if something actually drops in and says it's a clear and obvious mistake, that's when you step in. Or even if he says, I don't know. If right, he says, it's I don't now, know, time, it's now time for me to step in because otherwise we'll be here <laughs> all day. But I appreciate but Dave, the justice that you've made. <laughs> so I'm going to calm everybody down and we're all going to have a nice little celebration because, boys, Manchester City lost. AD <laughs> Hopper, I'm going to go over to you first. Hmm. Oh, sorry, um, I was nodding off there. It was getting well, so, yeah. so boring. Um, Manchester, Manchester City. Talk that's right, mate. You sell, oh. you sell the pod, mate. Go on. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talk um, us through that one. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, what a relief to see them drop some points. Um, secondly, I must admit, I wouldn't have expected it to come at Molyneux, but um, they are a difficult side sometimes. to If they play well, Wolves are a difficult side to beat. I know... United have had some pretty difficult struggles with them over the last 10 years or so. and uh, So it doesn't come as that much of a surprise, but just the mere fact they've lost, and it was a, you know, quite a, a substantial loss, 2-1 for them, for them to see two goals with their defences. Uh, and, of course, Kevin Phillips played as well, didn't he? Which made a Came on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, well, all I can say is, well done, Gary O'Neill. Well done to Wolves. At least you're giving us all a bit of a chance. Yeah, thoughts, Rick? It was, um, well, I mean, I it was just enjoy a it. smile on the faces, didn't it? Yeah, but I couldn't enjoy it. Cause well, I, I think we all thought that. We'll come, on, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to yeah. that. <laughs> so that took the shine off it. But if you listen back to uh, last Wednesday's pod, the words, so a Wolves victory did actually fall from these lips followed by a 1-0 win was it or or have i made that up no you have to listen, you have to listen to it in context but um i did actually say that not that i predicted it <laughs> but um wolves wolves are one of those teams with especially with gary o'neill that they're better suited daft as it may seem to playing against the bigger teams because they will have a low block a deep block and hit people on the break which is you know pretty much what they did at old trafford and it's what they did against city and it's a template that doesn't work when you're playing against the teams in and around. It's not going to work against Luton. It's not going to work against anyone else down in the bottom half of the, the table. But fair play to Gary O'Neill for uh, another game plan beautifully executed. And if the players in my fantasy team could stop scoring own goals, I'd be very much appreciative. <laughs> I was going to mention that, actually. You're, you're dropping down to... Um... Just oh, I've had a me. nightmare. This week, this week has been absolute. Yeah, I've, I've nearly dropped, descended right near to where you are in the league, Adrian. That's how bad things have got. Well, well, well hold that thought because I'll let Tom do a roundup at the end if he's happy to happy to do that. Um, don't feel obliged to, brief. Tom. I don't know if I want to. But I've not had a good week either. <laughs> Recently, I've not actually, I've not actually looked yet. But um, Tom, before I come to you on the result itself, have you done your homework? Have you watched match of the day this weekend? I've mm. not watched it. Um, but even just looking at the stats tell me that Wolves didn't deserve this and that makes it even better. Um, they've won with two goals with one shot on target, which is glorious. And in fact, on their momentum chart, it's actually fully in City's sort of graph um, when Wolves scored their second goal. So um, I have nothing to say but ha 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 ha. <laughs> He is sounding more like me. I'm like Yeah, it. yeah. Um, Paul Thorpe, um, in terms of the actual game itself, I don't know if you did see the highlights, but yeah. Neto, we know, is a really good player and he had his injury problems, but he's come back this season and he looks 
Wolves are going to do well to keep hold of him, aren't they? Because he was a tasty, tasty player this weekend. I, I thought Wolves played really well. Now that they, listen, we all know that they're not gonna, any team's not going to have much possession against Man City, but it's how you, how you utilise it and how you try and hurt them. And uh, they found two ways of doing it. One by a slight deflection, you know, and, and the other one I thought was a really, really good goal. But um, uh, yeah, Neto, what a player. What a player. You know, he's got amazing pace, close control. He's quite aggressive when he needs to be. But um, yeah, I just, I just generally thought it, it, the pattern of play really, really worked. And, um, you know, we've seen in the, in the past, you don't need to have the ball all the time to be able to win games. And um, they, they, they seem to have found that formula. against, like, like Rick said, against the bigger sides, they just need to find a formula against the not-so-bigger sides. But um, yeah, I thought, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I really enjoyed watching the highlights of that. I thought they played well. Um, yeah, well done. I, I like him as a manager. I, I think he's been given a chance there, which um, possibly wasn't going to happen. But they gave him an opportunity, and I think that he'll. I, th- I think he'll just keep him up. You know. Yeah, I think that's probably the brief, isn't it? I think. I think so. I, I think, think. I think yeah. the Wolves fans might have seen it as underwhelming, but we spoke about how good he was last season with what he did at Bournemouth. Um, but sticking with Bournemouth, I want to go to Aid because. Ada, you quite clearly said on Wednesday, without a shadow of a doubt, Bournemouth 5, Arsenal 0. Yeah. And the Gunners <laughs> obviously go and score four on the coast. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Oh, I mean, I, you know, I thought it was a perfectly... You, re- me- you meant it the other way around, didn't you? Is that no, what you were going to say? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable prediction, in all honesty. And um, I can't really understand why I went wrong. You know, what, 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 what happened? <laughs> I mean, it should have been that sort of scoreline, let's be honest. I think you'd be at the schooner sherry too much again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've probably had a couple of vodkas, I expect, Paul. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can get them wrong, so you might as well get them spectacularly wrong with it, might you, really? That's my view. <laughs> I think the Bournemouth fans will be thinking, why the hell would you get rid of Gary? Yeah. Perhaps. You know, because it's going to take him time now to, to, to develop the Wolves squad. You know, hopefully he's given that time. And, you know, if they stay up this year, I think that's a fantastic season for them because they've lost a lot of really, really good players. And uh, they're not, not the biggest squad anyway, are they, at the Wolves? And, um, you know, if he can keep them up this year, I think it, that would be a fantastic year's work for him. Is Kiefer yeah. Moore still at Bournemouth? Yes, Kiefer, yeah, so. yeah, he's still there. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's getting much game time no, at the moment. No, he's not. Though, that's, but why he's... I, that's why I ask. Cause yeah, but he's... he is still there. Um, Tom, I want to come to you because you, you mentioned the, the fact um, that you thought Bournemouth might be in and amongst it and then you changed your mind. Have you changed your mind again? Um, when you say in and amongst it, uh, do you mean higher up or No, no, down? no. Down, right down the bottom, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am... Um... <laughs> I think down and amongst it, I should say. Yeah, it's still a little bit too early, just because of the fixtures they've had. Um, these next three, I've just had a look, are going to be absolutely huge. They've got Everton away, uh, Wolves at home, and Burnley at home. Now, if they don't get anything out of them, then they are in serious trouble because you can get away with saying, "Oh, you know, it was Arsenal. You know, it was Brighton. You know, it was." Brentford, Tottenham, Liverpool, but you you're gonna have to win these games now. You've 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 lost your free hits. Um so I mean four nil is still a pretty big drubbing. Admittedly there were two penalties, but all in all it's not looking great right now from an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. On the flip side though, Rick, from an Arsenal perspective, probably their man Spurs will be the happier of the teams this weekend capitalising on the other results around them? The only two in the top top group that had favourable um, results, weren't they? And uh, here's, here's the thing, and I know, don't know if Tom knows this, he likes a stat, he likes a bit of triv. Uh, their manager, Ariola, played in a youth team in Spain with Mikel Arteta and Xavi Alonso. I didn't know Alonso was there as well. Yeah, he was as well. That's a hell of a youth side to have... Uh, those three yeah. units good for you mm. at that level, I would have thought. But yeah, yeah, yeah just something that's a, a bit of a, of a curiosity. But um, 
Yeah, it's a shame to see Arsenal win, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else you can say. It was it was comprehensive. It was never really in doubt. What did, you make, what did you make of um, the decision to give Havertz the penalty? I was just going to say. Because it was one of those where if he obviously fluffs it up, then everyone's saying, what the hell are you doing? But, you know, on the flip side of things, maybe it might just be the catalyst. You don't know. It's obviously only a penalty, but... It's amazing what so that, confidence can do. That's what I was going to say. They were that comfortable that they could give Havertz a penalty. But, I mean, it does look like a bit of a charity. It looks like he's a competition winner coming on and, and getting it. You're that pants. You're doing that badly. We'll give you a, a go so you feel part of what's been what's been going on. be interesting to see if by the end of the season, if that transfer does work. But I'm not 100% convinced by it at the moment. Yeah. Thorpe, final point, because he's got lots of games to try and get in a short space of time. Just very, very quickly, I think that it just shows that the squad really like him. Um, the manager's given him time and uh, they're, they're trying to help him along the way. And I, I, I sort of like to see that part of it. Um, you know, he's, he's had a lot of pressure put on him. There's the 65 million price tag on him and the lads are trying to help him along the way. Whether, you know, whether he sticks there or not is, is another thing. But um, he's obviously doing what the manager wants because he's still playing it. And there's certain other teams, you know, uh, that, that are dropping players because they're, they're obviously not. So he must be doing something right. Rick, I'm going to come back to you because a result that seemed to uh, escape oh, everyone's attention. I know where you're going now. <laughs> um, should we go to Villa Park? Um, Blimey, O'Reilly. Do you want to just... If you remember, reference people's general predictions from from on from Wednesday. <laughs> I think they were all leaning uh, towards the uh, the uh, seagulls, weren't they? <laughs> I think everybody turned into Adrian Hopper for one prediction. <laughs> and how how wrong how wrong? So then, my question <laughs> is, what the bloody hell happened? <laughs> um, I don't know. Villa did Villa things, and and Brighton absolutely fell Didn't. to pieces and, and got got punished i mean it's almost as bad a decision as i don't want to keep referencing fantasy league but if, if you were to have ollie watkins on your bench and not put him in your team for saturday you'd be gutted wouldn't you hmm. he if didn't yes he I'm didn't good. i'm gutted. Yeah. he didn't <laughs> He's on his bench. that's cheered me right up yeah. <laughs> my team Excellent. needs my team needs desperate surgery as so i got Martinez and he's out for two months and I've Your got... team needs putting down, mate. It's yeah, rubbish. It is. <laughs> Rashford's playing absolute rubbish. Oh dear, oh dear. Um what what do we think happened to, to Brighton though, Tom? Obviously we were at the Oval match as the as the game was going on, but I think we spoke about it um between ourselves. That is this just a case of that we've seen in the Prem so far? Everyone beats everyone and by ridiculous scorelines at the same time. And this is just another example of it. It was a bizarre experience. Every single time I looked at that screen, the score had changed. <laughs> it, or at least it felt like it. Um, I, They're almost anomalies because for teams like that, that are so similarly shaped, it's the same for Newcastle Villa and even the same for Brighton yeah. Newcastle. It makes no sense that teams that similar can have that much of a difference against each other so i don't really know if there's much that i could explain um i mean well done for watkins for getting a hat trick um God on, the damn purpose <laughs> on the bench no less um yeah it, it looks like no one really had a good chance um to do anything in brighton's perspective even um i had Oh, I've lost my point. No. Oh, I said about um, Adam Hinshelwood getting a start um, and thinking, oh, yeah, this will be fine. Like, I've got no doubt. Because it's, it's Brighton it's, and you just trust Brighton, the process. It's I trust it. And then that happened. I was like, oh, maybe I don't. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, an anomaly. And I'm sure they'll be back next week um, looking as uh, blue as ever. What do you think, Thorpe? Is it... Is is it just a case of we're just seeing results that are just on a one-off basis? Because if you match them up, like Tom just said there, you had Newcastle 5, Villa 1, then Brighton 3, Newcastle 0 or 1, and yeah. then Aston Villa 6, know, Brighton 1. There's no logic to it. And, and I'm looking at the stats as well. You know, 
it was 62% possession by, by Brighton, you know, uh, 38 obviously then for Villa, 19 shots for Villa, 11 for, for, um, uh, for, for Brighton, 9 on target for Villa, 3 on target for, for um, uh, Brighton, passing 518 for Brighton, so pass accuracy 88. So they didn't, they didn't, they didn't play badly, it's just that, Aston Villa was so ruthless in their attacking. Yeah, just one got... of those days where everything went in. Well, they just... Listen, they were in control of the ball for quite a long time. So, yeah, their defending was, you know, and they just opened them up when they got chance. So, uh, and I thought that I thought that when I actually saw the highlights, because you don't see the whole, obviously, the game, but the highlights, it looked like um, Aston Villa were pressing really well. So they must have been pressing really, really well in those higher uh, positions so winning the ball back early enough to be able to like penetrate and then score the goals, but um, certainly he'd be scratching his head, deserving for sure. Because um, and I think it's probably a little kick at the bum that uh, Brighton might need. Gentlemen, before we do anything else, a round of applause, please, for Luton Town. Luton Town, <laughs> everybody, round of applause for Luton Town. Um, Ad Hopper, I'm going to come to you. We spoke on Wednesday that it's going to be one of those games where Everton will look at it and be like, that's the game to turn our home form around. But at the same time, it would be one Luton look at and go, if we're going to win away anywhere this season, it's going to have to be here. And my goodness, did they go and do it. What a win for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and congratulations to the manager and the team to, to pull it off because... Uh... You know, you've got two two teams that are quite really struggling in this division. Um, and sorry, Aid, I've just I've just realised if any Luton fans listening to this, they're probably thinking, "How patronising was that clap?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, continue. Sorry, Luton fans, very much deserved. Let's have another one then. Come on. Um, no, but, you know, I mean, Luton are, are going to find it hard. They're going to find it hard to pick up results as they go along. Um, so any any. Even a point is is worthwhile from their perspective. They've got two there, quite unexpectedly. I, sh I shouldn't have thought they really expected to uh, to get the two points when they started the game, but they did. They did three, three points, points. Three points. The three points. Um, so you know, good for them. Another one for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rick, as Aid says, so they're probably, you know, who's to say how how many points they'll end up with? But it just puts. All of that crap to bed with the Garth Crook stuff, relegated by Christmas, all those sorts of things. It just settles everyone down, doesn't it? Yeah, they've got to use that and, and build on it, obviously, haven't they? Because uh, that's exactly what I expected Everton to do after they had two successive wins. Thought, you know, they're off and running now, playing against the team that looked like they were the, the worst in the division. And then they just, they failed. So uh, no, nobody uh, nobody wants to get out of the uh, the relegation area by the looks of it. They're going to keep Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United interested for the, the rest of the season by the looks of it. They're not going to get cut adrift going by this. So uh, no, fair play to Luton. Thoroughly deserved as well. Just to come yeah. back in a minute, Dave, at one point, I was listening to Talk Sport this morning and Simon Jordan was on and it was his usual cutthroat self. But... Mm. Um, he did make one point, of course, that, that you know by going into the Premier League, Luton have obviously got a fair bit of money in their pockets now because they get it. What is it about hundred and fifty odd million? Yeah, they get at least for, that's for yeah. money in the playoff game. Um, so consequently, and he was making the point that they haven't spent very much at all, um, which kind of makes you wonder why? Why haven't they? You know, I mean, Torre always said well, we want to do the stadium up, but. You know, surely they want to stay in the, in the Premier League. So I think that that's a point. But he, he still thought they were going to get relegated, even though he was making the point they hadn't spent the money. I think exactly that, Aid. I think they're in a position where they didn't expect to find themselves, probably. Um, well, maybe not. They didn't expect to find themselves, but maybe ahead of schedule. And they don't want to then completely blow the budget, end up getting relegated anyway, and then end up getting further trouble, further relegations. It's about how you how you manage it, I suppose. But um, I guess from a Luton perspective now, Tom, is that the rearranged game with Burnley at home is for this week and you could potentially get a nice little back-to-back -back going and suddenly you're laughing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Luton, I would say... Well, actually, we'll talk... Well, no, we can we can do that very briefly. I think Luton uh, are in with a good chance of getting something out of that as well. Fans will be fired up following 
their first win. Uh, Burnley come into it on the back of another loss. Um, so I think there's there's a lot to be excited about at Luton. I think even if they did go down, I don't think anyone's complaining because they can't expect to, with the amount they've spent and the amount that uh, everyone else has spent, um, I don't think there's any... If you're, if you're expecting Luton to stay up as like a almost a, well, a demand, then it's, you're slightly crazy, um, which is why I'll quietly pretend I didn't put them 16th um, but <laughs> yeah I think um, yeah lots to be happy about at Luton finally getting their first points on the board and it'll be a day to remember for a long long time Thorpe I'm going to let you have this one to yourself as we haven't got a lot of time left and we haven't mentioned <clears> it yet um, nice cheeky little win for Roy Hodgson's Palace Paul Thorpe oh, well, here we go <laughs> You beauty. five unbeaten at Old Trafford. What a record that was! That that I escaped know. my radar. I know. What well, what a um, well, especially after the midweek performance. Um, he uh, took a bit of criticism for the team he put out as well. When yeah, justified yeah, well, now, I suppose. Yeah, and um, I, I really, really, really was was very, very surprised that they watched it, and it was the most unbelievably boring game going. It was just terrible, but. Then all of a sudden they come back with with um, with, with a win against Man United, and um, you know it. He uh, just somehow being able to pull it out of the bag, and uh, it just a disarray at the back. I actually think, do you know what? I actually think at the moment they could do with Maguire at the back. They just don't. They just look a little bit disjointed, and um, I think his two performances that he's actually had, I think have been okay. But uh, I just cut. I, I don't. I don't know what it is about their defence. Just seems to be. Well, disjointed, and I'm not sure whether he even knows what his best back back line is at Man United. Is that the issue? Them... Is that the issue, Rick Hyatt? I see you. Uh, yeah, you're trying to um, support your head there through through your hands. <laughs> what um, is it? Just a case of the defensive issues. I mean, if you take the goal in isolation, I mean, all right, it could have been defended a lot better, but it was a heck of a finish. <laughs> Heck of a finish with uh, two players in an offside position stood in front of the goalkeeper. Strange, that wasn't allowed to happen against Burnley, was it? There you go. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me, Tom Bailey. Oh, God, I hate football. Good hit, though. Very, very good Football, hit. bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because you actually had 78% possession yeah. and 19 shots. It was attack, with... inept attack versus competent defence. United just don't look good when they go a goal down. They don't look like there's a plan B there to try and exploit anything. And they huffed and they puffed an awful lot on Saturday underneath uh, leaky roofs. Thanks to the Glazers, you know. The team's abysmal on the pitch and the stadium's falling to pieces because of uh, that that lot. But I think that's a well-trodden path, isn't it? They're, They're just dreadful, awful human beings. And you're seeing you're seeing the consequences of it everywhere. Much more to add to that, Aidy Hopper. I think first of all, if he'd have played Hannibal, I think that would have made a huge difference to the side. I'm yeah. staggered that he didn't yeah, play him. Yeah, he's been really, really good. So, and yeah. I, I just think that there are times when I would question Eric's team selection. This is not the first time, and today Saturday was one of them. I thought that was a, a... to be to be fair. Hannibal has been a light, in, you know, a shine of light in the games that he's played. He's, yeah. His energy has been amazing. His ball retention has been fantastic, and he's really shown Casemiro, uh, really for me, um, what it's all about. And he gets in good positions, and uh, you know, he's, he's. I just think he's a really, really good player that you need. If you've gave me a choice between him and your Scottish uh, midfielder, I think I'd take him every time. And of course, the other question is, what's happened to Rashford? I mean, it's just, what has happened to him? He's just completely gone. Luke, Luke Shaw not being there makes an awful lot of difference to Rashford's game. Yeah. Um, he's trying, he's taking things on himself at the moment and he's just waiting for that one that's going to spark his season, I think. But not having Luke Shaw behind him does make a hell of a difference to the way he plays. Mm. And I think uh, you play and you need to play Amrabat in the right position. Yeah. You know what? What fitting him in there? You, well, you look at you look at the teams. I, I was listening to another pod earlier on today, and it said Roy Hodgson got square pegs in square holes. United had round pegs in square holes, and that was yeah. 
that was the difference. Yeah, yeah. You're trying, you're trying to create a Man United side at the moment, and it's just not really happening. But uh, yeah, Hannibal, I, I actually said this at the start of the season. I saw the pre-season games and and uh, a few of the Man United ones, and um, I thought he was outstanding. And in, 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 in the heat, in the heat that he was running as well, you know, it's uh, not easy. And I thought he was outstanding. So and then when I saw him go out alone, I was very shocked. Very shocked. And of course, in, in Eric Ten Hag's favour, I mean, we have had an unprecedented a load of injuries. I mean, I know teams yeah. get injured, but we've had we've had more yeah, than yeah. our fair share. To be fair, yeah. it's hardly had a chance to put a full side out at all. Well, that was Liverpool's problem last year, and uh, you know you slated us for that one. So you're not getting any sympathy anyway. You got a big enough squad <laughs> to deal with it. <laughs> well, they did manage to beat a Crystal Palace team that had seven first team regulars out injured as well. So it does sort of even itself out a bit. There was a couple of more games um, on the Saturday. We'll just wrap them up together. Um, Tom Bailey, I'll throw it to you because it was two comfortable 2-0 wins for Newcastle and West Ham. Um, I guess there's not much more to say than those were ones that we were, I think we probably all predicted, really. Yeah, I had a West Ham 2-0 straight away, so I, I don't really think there's, that's, that went exactly as I expected. Um, Newcastle Burnley, I could only assume Newcastle just took it steady. Um, is there European football this week? I want to say there, there is. There is. There is. So maybe they're just preparing for that. I see from the lineup they've rested um, Jacob Murphy, who's been starting a lot. Tonali was also on the bench. Um, Jill Linton came on and came off again within about five minutes. So um, he was injured as well. And I mean, Jamal Lascelles started. So that's all you've got to see, really, is that. Yeah. They weren't that concerned. It was his first up for 19 months or something in the Premier League. And considering he was uh, nearly in trouble for having a fight, which admittedly wasn't his fault, um, I think he's done well to keep everything going and uh, keep his captaincy spot and get his start. But um, yeah, there's everything sort of went as expected with those two, so it's tricky to say much more. Um, Thorpe, I'm going to throw it to you because we haven't really got much time. So I just wanted to quickly reference the game on Sunday, one all between Forest and Brentford. I think we were of the opinion it probably would probably be anything sort of a either a Forest win or a score draw. So um, it was quite entertaining from what I saw of it. And I think Brentford will probably be happy with a point on the road. No, absolutely. I've got to be honest, I really enjoyed the game. Really enjoyed it. And um both two, two, two decent sides going for it and um, uh, yeah I can't say much more than that I mean you know, it was uh, look, I thought it was a really decent football played actually and um, I do like Nottingham Forest I like watching them play mm. and um, I think it's, it, it, most people will actually say that um, they're a bit of a breath of fresh air actually in the way he's actually running the club and um, you know Brentford do Brentford things. I think they need a few more signings personally, but um, yeah, I'm gutted actually. Nottingham Forest didn't win that game, but um, yeah, I'm I, I really, really excited. I think he's made some good signings. They're they're energetic and um, they create chances. Dare we mention VAR? No. Because it was no. a, a VAR issue got... there, wasn't it? So... Because, we, because we haven't got time. No. <laughs> um, just just as you are no doubt listening to this, you'll either be listening to this as the game is going on or it would have finished. But just one word answers from all of you. Aid, I'll start with you. Fulham or Chelsea? Um, law of averages, I think, Chelsea. But they've got to win sooner or later, haven't they? Well, we'll see. Thorpe, Fulham or Chelsea? I'm going, believe it or not, I'm going Fulham. Tom? Draw. Yeah. Rick? Modric is starting Fulham. <laughs> and as you're listening to this, you'll know that Chelsea are already 3-0 up in late into the second <laughs> <Yeah>. half. Um, <laughs> Tom Bailey, just a final point on FPL before we wrap it up for today. God, I don't... Oh, oh, oh. The listeners will want to know how everyone's doing. No, you want to know because you're winning, aren't you? That's that's what you want to know, isn't it? That's what you wanted to hear. Am there I? Ladies and Am gentlemen, I? Dave Pryor is on top of the table. Um, he's overtaken Ian Welsh, who's had a stinker of a week. Um, Gav Cheatham is now in third. He's had a wonderful week. Uh, myself and, well, I've now dropped to fourth. Uh, I've had a howler. Uh, Rick has had a massive howler, and he's dropped below Adam. I, uh, played, uh, I played a back three, and two of them scored on goals. 
I had two of them <laughs> scoring goals as well, and I triple captain Haaland, and they lost, and he didn't score. <laughs> I've had a stinker. Um, Mr. Scythe is slowly closing the gap to Mr. Hopper, who's had a somewhat average week. Um, well, he's got the same points as me, so I suppose you throw him in the howler category. But did did Adrian have more points on the bench than actually on the field? Uh, it's got to be close. He, he had twenty six points on the bench, and he scored thirty seven. Ooh. A case of what could have been. Thanks oh, for the FPL been. roundup there, Tom. But that's all, everybody, for this week. So it just gives me a chance to say, gentlemen, thank you very much, as always. Paul Thorpe, we'll start with you. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. Uh, absolute pleasure. Tom Bailey, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. There, 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 thank you. Thank you. Rick Hyatt, thank you very much, as always. Good, sir. Always, always a pleasure. And uh, gentlemen, have your black armbands ready for Saturday. The fight back starts here. I will get Jürgen out of the loft for that one. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> uh, a very good night from myself, Dave Pryor and Aidy Hopper. Sign us off. Yeah, thanks for listening to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. I hear the jokes and I smell the punch.